The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Had to double check, man. All the days run together, it seems like, sometimes. But happy Wednesday here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Uncle T-Bone here in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Hope you're doing well on this November 29th. Sunny afternoon, chilly outside today, Uncle T-Bone. Another nice day, though, in Auburn, Alabama. Yeah, chilly. I mean, it's got to feel like... uh... A little uh, Dayton weather for you, yeah. my friend. I mean, and tonight's going to be really chilly, so make sure you bring in your plants. Make sure you bring in your animals. It's going to be down in the low 20s, so here we go. Yeah, baby. Winter is upon us. Football season is transitioning out, and it looks like we got a little Auburn Tiger basketball tonight. Yes, we do. Auburn and Virginia Tech playing tonight, a part of the SEC-ACC Challenge in college basketball. Had some games last night that we're going to talk about later on in the show we'll also talk about Auburn and Virginia Tech in the show today and what the Tigers have to do uh, to come home and get a win for the SEC and put another W on the schedule for Auburn taking on Virginia Tech tonight again we'll talk a lot of college basketball later on in the show today we had college football playoff rankings the updated ones released last night want to talk about those today and get your thoughts some more Uncle T-Bone and our listeners thoughts as well on conference championships championship week coming up and just all of the crazy possibilities that remain and that are alive right now for the college football playoff final four that'll be released coming up in just a few days after conference championship weekend is over so that's on the schedule today it's also rivalry wednesday here on the show which means we'll talk to jordan hill of dogs 247 and austin hannon of bama central get both of their thoughts on the sec championship game coming up this weekend in atlanta between the georgia bulldogs and the alabama crimson tide plus get some thoughts on uh, the basketball side of things when it comes to georgia and alabama as well but until those guests come on phone lines are open we want to hear from you 334-321-1390 we'll start talking college football in just a second but ed is on the phone lines to get us going here on the wednesday edition of on the line ed you're on the line what's up hey and i'm gonna get you talking on college football and this is uh listen everybody knows i'm a big auburn fan that that's neither here nor there but chris canty this morning then of course the guy that comes on before y'all, you, you, you know. That's Doug Amos. Yeah, Doug. Yeah, which I like, Doug. I just that's kind of like that guy up north or guy down south. But anyway, yeah, Doug's a good man, and uh, and I think I know where you're going with this, Ed. Go ahead. Uh, but but hey, listen, I agree. I, I think it would be absolutely a joke if Alabama beats. Uh, Georgia, and, and does it, you know, represent, you know, 
one one fourth of the playoffs, and I, I think they will. But I think what Chris Canty and Doug are have lost sight of. They're trying to say, well, they went from okay, uh, like a playoff type situation, and into this you know panic about, well, hey, they're the best team, they're the best team, but they don't need that. I mean, they're still. But listen, as far as football, basketball. Uh, from when you played backyard to peewee to high school, whatever, you know, nobody ever said, well, you know, well, that the loser sure look better than the winner. You know, we sure need to consider them in the future. If you lost, you lost. And, you know, nobody, you know, you know, Leon Spinks looked good getting his butt whipped. I mean, nobody, but that's what they are trying to all of a sudden both Chris Candy this morning and Doug are trying to say, you know, well, hey, they're the best uh, looking teams. But Alabama does not need that, in my opinion. If, if anybody thinks that the winner of the SEC championship game doesn't get in the playoffs, I, I, you know, you just being silly. Hey, we appreciate the phone call, Ed. Thank you so much. You can get in here also at 334-321-1390 yeah, into, into the Plaza Bar and Studio. So, What do you think about that, Uncle T? Because right, I think so, he had some interesting yeah, points. I, I, I agree and disagree, and this is a conversation we're going to have a lot of today. Yes, it is. And, and, and in fact, we're going to have this conversation, I predict, a lot next week in, when we have debates on the uh, Final Four. So the new conversation that Ed is alluding to is that it's kind of changed the narrative all of a sudden on how you get into the Final Four in the BCS playoffs, Jacob, from – okay, the most deserving teams and what they've done, and now all of a sudden there's this conversation because the head of the committee last night mentioned that they're looking to put in the four best teams. Which is something Nick Saban has argued since the college football playoff existed. And and it's a real shame that college football has gone through this Practically the history of college football and determining who the national championship is, I call it a beauty pageant. And just like any beauty pageant, there's going to be extreme bias from anybody who argues who should be in the college football playoffs from the from the lowly fans that drive this game hysterically to the local pundits, to the national pundits, to the coaches, to the players, and to the people who actually now are up determining in the committee who's going to be in the playoffs. And I think it's ridiculous, but this is where we are. Mm -hmm. They thought that the final four, having four teams and expanding it from the two, which was proven to be a disaster both in 2003 and 2004, and we remember 2004 here locally, right, when we were beauty pageant out of a national championship game. Yep. Um, And they thought, well, we'll just go to four and that'll solve it. Oh, no, no, it will not. And now we're going to go to 12 next year. And I can promise you sooner than later, it's going to be like, well, this 13th team is playing great. Well, I think yep. they should be in over That's the 11th exactly right. team. So, That's exactly um, right. Doug, There's always going to be somebody that feels left out and is feels 
and is frustrated because right. they didn't get to the dance. They didn't get they didn't get invited to the prom because they didn't perform well enough throughout the regular season. That's always going to be the case. There are teams like that in the NCAA tournament for college basketball. That's and there's right. 68 teams that make that tournament. That's right. And 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 there the this is one of the rare times where there's not just five teams that could get in or deserve to get in or make an argument to get in you're you're going down a list of more teams in this last year of the final four before we go to the 12 game playoff that can make an argument to get into those final four spots and I think it's not going to be a chaotic finish this year like it was last year on championship weekend and then there was a big debate I think it's just going to everything's going to line up minus uh Washington Oregon being knocked out or, or if it's Washington, still have an argument maybe why they should be in. And I think it's all going to line up and there's going to be about seven teams there and there's going to be three fan bases and three media, uh, biased media or, or, or people that are going to be really upset. We're going to get to the phone lines in just a second. Shane standing by. So you're saying by Sunday morning. Everything's going to be lined up, ready to go. We're going to know exactly who the top four teams are. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to know who the top four teams are. But I think the rankings aren't going to change very much because I think, well, let me let me say this. That all depends on what Alabama does. But I think, so they could actually drop out. But they're an eighth team right now. So I think Georgia's going to win. I think Michigan's going to win. I think the Oregon-Washington winner's definitely going to get in. And I think Florida State's going to win. And then you're going to have an argument for the loser of Washington and Oregon, Texas, and Ohio State. So there's going to be seven teams vying for sport, four spots. And uh, and really three of those teams vying for one of them. And, and there's going to be a lot of left out uh, people with their lips poked out and hurt. Now, if Alabama wins, it's going to be even worse. 334-321-1390. Shane, you got some thoughts on this. What's up, brother? Uh, hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, man. What's I, on your mind? I, I think the I think this the whole beauty pageant, like you say, is accurate. I think it's a crap show. It's a joke. Um, it's, it's It changes how they let people in. It changes each and every year. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, now it's uh, the, the best teams and – not the most deserving teams, not conference champions, but it's it's, it's crap. And, You're going to hear that word, I, Shane, I test here come sat, uh, Saturday night to yeah, try and get a team it. in. And, uh, man, my test a lot differently than Jacobs and a lot different for, differently from Kirk right. Herbstreet, who's admitted this summer on an, in an AL.com article that he's completely biased for Nick Saban. I mean, he said he just came out and said, I'm just a big fan of his. You know, and, and there's no way that they're going to leave the SEC out. Correct. Even if it's not deserved. Because you, know, you see how they position it. If, if Georgia is number one, even though I don't, I think they should be number three. I think Washington should be two. Michigan should be one. Georgia, who, I mean, like, what, what have they really done? They've beaten, like, a couple of teams. But they haven't played anybody this year. So, yeah, they, they're, they're one of the top four right now. But they're not number one after – Michigan just knocked off uh, Ohio State, and Washington's done what they've done. I think that's fair, but hey, Shane, why why will the college football playoff not allow an SEC team to miss the big dance? Why will they always put one in there? There you go. Because it's not – that's what I was leading up to. If they put it to number one, that way because if 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 uh, Bama beats them, they how many, how many, how many spots do they, do they drop down? Who, Bama? They'll be the fourth. Yeah. If Bama beats Georgia, mm-hmm. Georgia's still number four because they're at number one right now. 
that's how they do the do the crap. But mm-hmm. the, the reason why is because of what's happened in the past, not what they've done this year, which is the worst. This is that that is why this this system doesn't work because it, it is a beauty pageant. It's what you've done for me the past few years. Georgia has done great the past few years. This is not this is not 21 or 22. This is 23. It should be a, a blank slate each and every year, and it's not. It is biased. It, Georgia, it it, it 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 frustrates me because even if they lose, and Bama's not Bama, I mean, will they get in? Because Texas should deserve that spot, right? Because they beat them head to head in their home. It's just, but they're not. They're not going to let allow a SEC SEC team to miss out because. How many? How many? Uh, you know, championships have uh, SEC won? How many tournaments have we not been in? I don't think since the playoffs have been here, we've missed one. Have no, we? Yeah, SEC's been in every one, as far as I'm concerned. And they're the cash cow. They're 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 the ESPN. You know, it's just it's it's about money. And you said it. There it is. The, Bingo. I was hoping you were going to get there. I was going to let you. I was going to let you get there. Trying, it's I about the money. I'd have been. Yep. I had a vent for a second. That, hey, that's fine. There, but, that's fine. And and that's exactly right. That's the that's the magic word is the money aspect of all of this. That is the reason the SEC will never, ever, ever not be in the final conversation for a national championship game. The conference brings too much money through television, through radio, and through advertising. It brings in more than any yep. other conference in the sport. And that is why they will always be there. I think you have to go by I think you have to go back to 2005, if I'm doing this correctly in my head, so somebody check me, outside of 2014 when Ohio State and Oregon played for the national championship game, that not only has the SEC since then been in the college football playoffs, they've been in the championship game. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if uh, Georgia was ranked third, and I think they they deserve to be three. They deserve to be top four, but but not ahead of the other two, in my opinion. If they were ranked three, and 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 it was a close game, and they lost to Bama, would they still get in? It only depends. That depends no. on what happens behind them. Probably not. The big the big caveat here, and I think the big argument here for anybody is Florida State at twelve and zero and ranked fourth. The best thing that can happen for the four teams behind them is FSU getting beat or FSU not looking very good against Louisville, and then that's set up by the committee to go well. Jordan Travis is hurt, and they're just not as good as they were, and we got to have the best teams in, and then somebody either like Georgia loses and gets that spot and falls to it, or somebody jumps them that's behind them. Texas, in my opinion, is the team that has the most to gain there because Oregon-Washington is going to figure themselves out. Texas has the most to gain because they went head-to-head against Alabama in their home stadium in front of a national television, and rocked Alabama. Now, the argument is, well, that's different Alabama team since then. Is it? Who cares? Is it really? Who, because who I saw – exactly. You play 12 games. Same, same season. Games. I'm a, yeah. So one, one last thing, and I'll, and I'll get out here, and you got to break. Yeah. The, the, the best two teams in the country are Oregon and Washington. So, so if, I mean, if, you're, if you're going by the eye test, you cannot tell me that that's the, that's the difference. I, I would not want to play those, those, those two teams you know, at all. Um, so so if 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 Washington loses and loses on a field goal like they did last last game, I mean there's three points. Is the game right? right? Is mm-hmm. the is the 
if they lose to the same in the same fashion, a missed field goal is that too. Yeah. Um, so so there so those other teams are better than that one that one play. Right. I think it's a really you know I mean? that's a that's a, a huge perspective that you have to look at when it comes to Washington, Oregon versus everybody else making it in the final four. Shane, we appreciate the call, they man. Need, they need to yeah, where you where you go, where you go, guys? Yeah, appreciate it, man. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. I get it, man. You can hear it in Shane's voice. There's just so many different perspectives, and there's so many different. Well, what if this or what if that or or you have to look at this game and you have to look at that game and you have to look at this team and this number and this and this. Like there's so much going on here, and I love it. I absolutely love it, and that's what makes doing what we do so much fun. Is we get to talk about it, and we want to hear what you have to say. We've had two great calls already. Want to get some more from you here on the show? Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We're talking college football playoff here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN one zero six seven. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line. Got a few minutes before Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joins us on the phone lines at 2.30 as we get the Georgia perspective on this conversation that we're having right now that most people are having right now in college football with Rivalry Weekend now in the books and Conference Championship Weekend coming up. The question that everybody's asking who is going to be in the top four come Sunday afternoon, right? And that's what everybody is trying to figure out. And here's the thing. I've heard many people say this. If everything goes chalk this weekend, Georgia beats Alabama, Michigan beats Iowa, Washington beats Oregon, and Florida State beats Louisville, all of these conversations are, are, are mute. They're done. They're over. I agree with that. There's your top four. But is that really going to happen? And what are the odds of that really happening this weekend? Because I think there's a large group of people that think Alabama can beat Georgia. I have not heard a single person pick Iowa to upset Michigan. No. That would be a disaster. Oh, my gosh. That that would be a disaster. That would would make complete chaos. It's not happening. If Michigan loses that game, I still think they make it. Oh, my gosh. Washington, Oregon, that's where everything goes to to you-know-what. And then Florida State could very easily lose to that Louisville team. I know they just lost to a mediocre Kentucky team, but that's still a good Louisville team. They've been a top-ten team. I think that the winner of Washington, Oregon is in, no matter what. Winners in, losers out in your mind? I don't know if the loser's out, but I think the winner is definitely in. Okay. I can get behind that. Yeah, I just think that that's just set up too perfectly. Michaela, you got something? Hit us. Well, two years ago, they put Georgia and Alabama both in after Bama beat Georgia in the playoffs. Yeah. So why shouldn't Washington and Oregon be in the playoffs I think if that, Oregon beats them on Saturday? I don't see why they both shouldn't make it in. I just feel like there's more teams this year, right? There's more teams to choose from, right? There's more, there's more chips in the bag right. that you can pull from. I feel like that is the biggest difference, right? And then you have that situation, and you also have – Right, everybody talking about Florida State. There's Florida State, but right, the but there is right. Jordan Travis, who is out, who is not going to play. He's out for the year. And so you saw Ohio State back in 2014, the very first year of the college football playoff, when JT Barrett went down. They brought in a backup quarterback. They got all the way down to their third string quarterback, who rolled in the Big Ten championship game, gave the playoff committee a reason to put them in, and then they went on to win the national championship. 
I got a question here in in term Michaela. What do you think about this? Okay. (laughs) All right. If it's now all of a sudden the best teams in college football should be in, then why isn't Missouri getting any love? Mm. Because, because they they're one of the best games they could have won. Yeah, but see, I mean, this is how the goalpost changes, and it drives me crazy. Because I can promise you, no one wants to play Missouri right now. They're a confident bunch. They're a they are a salty, solid football game. Well, Uncle T Bone, they lost LSU. <laughs> well, what's it matter? We're just talking about the best teams, right? So they should be in as a four seed. And that's what Ed was talking about yeah. to start the show was the conversation and the narrative changes year to year depending on which teams are in and which situations are playing out right is the playoff supposed to be the four best teams in college football resume record numbers thrown out the window or should the games that you play in a season matter that's where it all comes down to jacob i've lived long enough to it just doesn't change conversation wise year to year they'll change this thing from week to week in 2004 Georgia comes to town. Everyone's thinking that they're going to upset Auburn. I think they may have even been a favor in that game to an undefeated Auburn. That was a good Georgia team. Yeah, it was. May have been a top five team at that time, if I remember. And Auburn beat them down so bad, but didn't run it up, but controlled the whole game. Were just physical and nasty. And after that, Kirk Herbstreet's on ESPN talking about, oh, Auburn's one of the final two teams. And they go up to Alabama next week in a rivalry game in the Iron Bowl where anything can happen. Mm -hmm. They struggle a little bit. They struggle a little bit. What happens? Oh, oh, they didn't look good against a bad Alabama team. So if that and, and now they're out. If that's the case, Kirk and all you pundits out there, if it mattered back in 2004, shouldn't it matter that Alabama struggled against Auburn, a mediocre Auburn team last Saturday, have a had had to have a miracle play to win the game, the Grave Digger? I mean, shouldn't that matter too? No, it won't matter. Well, and that's another aspect of it is not only do the results, that's the question, do results really matter? But then how the result happened, does that matter also, right? That's another aspect that comes into it as well. We've got just a couple of minutes. We're going to get to the phone lines really quickly here. 334-321-1390. Uncle Ali, you're on the line, man. you got a couple of minutes. What's up? Hey, man, I appreciate it. Hey, listen, a couple of things. I think there's uh, six teams playing for two spots. I think Georgia's in, even mm-hmm. with a loss, unless they lose by two touchdowns, which shouldn't happen. Michigan's in, because I think that they're going to beat Iowa. So that leaves six teams going for two spots. The other thing is, if you if you think that Washington is better than Georgia, uh, I, if they play ten times in a neutral site, Georgia wins probably against against who say that again washington okay James talking about washington is better than georgia hey i tell you what give washington georgia schedule this year and give georgia washington schedule georgia's still undefeated washington is probably what nine and three uh, that's probably so, accurate maybe maybe two losses but i think so yeah so but 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 to say oregon and washington are better than georgia and i'm i'm an auburn guy i am not a georgia fan but, but I am realistic mm-hmm. it, that there's no way Washington is better than Georgia or Oregon. I, again, swap schedules, I'll guarantee you, Georgia's still undefeated. Both of those teams have two to three losses. And 
not even a topic of conversation in this top four. Yeah, so I, that's I like all that. I wanted to say. Appreciate it, Uncle Owen. That's a really great Thank point. You. Appreciate. I, I really like that game too, where it's like, okay, let's take these two top teams, let's switch their schedules and see how they do, right? And I think that's. I love that from Uncle Owen. We appreciate the call. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Yeah, you take. Yeah, you take Georgia and Washington and flip their schedule. What are the results? You give Georgia Florida State schedule. Give Michigan you know, Florida uh, State. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's we could do that all day. Oh we yeah, no, oh, you mean, could. There's pro- there's probably some alternate universe where that's happened, and they <laughs> and some, there's a couple of folks in a radio station having this same conversation. It, I mean, I can only go on actually what has happened and what I've seen, and uh, I'm not willing to say that Michael Penix Jr. couldn't light this league up either. I guess we'll never know. But we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. I mean, he may win the Heisman. (laughs) He's going to be in New York. You better believe it. He'll be in New York for the Heisman uh, ceremony, along with Bo Nix, two Pac-12 quarterbacks that transferred from other Power 5 conferences and went to the Pac-12 and are lighting it up. Crazy, man. Crazy. College football. Gotta love it. We'll talk about all of this and more with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 as we get going with Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. He is Uncle T-Bone with me inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on ESPN 106.7. And we get Rivalry Wednesday underway with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Jordan, hope you're doing well. Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday with family and friends. And man, we've got a lot to talk about on the show today. Definitely. I appreciate that. I hope the same as as well for you, Jacob. And, uh, yeah, a lot to tackle before uh, we get to Saturday and the big SEC championship game. Well, let's jump into it with Georgia football. They are once again the number one team in the country thanks to the latest college football playoff rankings, and we'll discuss those coming up in just a second. But the Dogs finished the season uh, on the road against Georgia Tech 31-23, a game that not many people talked about, a game that not many people were I guess too overly concerned with Georgia's chances in this game because there were so many other games that had bigger impacts on what was happening around the sport. But Georgia does finish the year. They are undefeated and, as I mentioned, number one team in the country. What did you see in the finale for the Dogs? You know, I think the biggest thing was just surviving advance with that game. You know, they went without Lab McConkey, without Brock Bowers, without Rara Thomas, without Tate Rathledge, who's the starting right guard. I think it was all about just trying to get through that and find a way to win however they had to. You know, it was kind of old-school Georgia. They really leaned on the run game. Kendall Milton had another great game. Dejon Edwards delivered some big plays as well. And you saw that with the passing game. Carson Beck had his fewest attempts, completions, and passing yards on the season. Uh, it's one of those games that's a lot like the Vanderbilt game earlier this year. Uh, the final score I don't think quite indicated. You know, Georgia pretty much had that game wrapped up. There was one point. Uh, about midway through the fourth quarter, they had a 15-point lead. They were on the six-yard line trying to score a touchdown that would 
uh, put the game away. If they would have kicked a field goal, it would have been a three-possession game and put it away. Carson Beck makes a bad decision, tries to force a throw into traffic. It gets intercepted. Gives Georgia Tech a little bit of life. But uh, the Yellow Jackets deserve a ton of credit. They played a great game. Uh, really had a good job, did a good job running the football on Georgia, so much so that Javon Bullard said afterwards, essentially that uh, – you know, if they play like that against the run, that they're not going to be able to accomplish what they want to in these next few games. So, yeah, not the prettiest win. I don't think there's a ton of Georgia fans beating their chest and really excited about an eight-point win over Georgia Tech. But you got the job done. You allowed some beat-up guys to get a little bit of a break, and now you turn your attention to Alabama. And you mentioned a uh, several players injured. What's the uh, what's the status on those players, especially Brock Bowers? Are they going to be uh, ready to rock and roll Saturday against the Tide? Yeah, it's still sort of up in the air. We haven't gotten total clarification. We'll talk to Kirby Smart on Thursday afternoon. I'm sure he's not going to say a ton. Just based on what I've been able to gather, I think Brian Bowers will play. I'm still pretty good about Tate Routledge as well, the starting right guard being back. Rara Thomas seems a little bit up in the air. The guy that I have the most questions about will be Lab McConkey, dealing with an ankle injury. Um, there have been concern coming out of that Tennessee game about his availability going forward. Um, so I think he's going to fight really hard to play. Uh, but on the whole, you know, I think getting Brock back is, is definitely big and also your starting right guard. So some of those guys we're going to have to wait and just see how warm-ups look. Um, but uh, some of those guys I do think will be back. Other guys really feel like game time decisions. Yeah, maybe a little mind games going on there. If you don't tell them they're ready or tell them that they're out, according to Alabama, then they kind of have to guess up until kickoff in that SEC championship game. But no doubt about it, Jordan, if those players don't play or any combination of those guys don't go, that really hurts Georgia's chances in any game that they play. Definitely. I mean, look at just Lab McConkey on his own. I mean, he does such a good job of getting open, even on third downs. And your Auburn fans listening will have to remember that from that Georgia game. I mean, that was his first game of the season after dealing with a back injury. And he just, again and again on third down, found a way to get open, catch the ball, move the chain. He is so huge in this offense. The one thing that really helps Georgia, super, super deep among its pass catchers. I mean, with, uh, with Rara and Ladd out against Georgia Tech, it was Dominic Lovett. Uh, it was Dylan Bell, who I think has really come on in the last three or four games. Um, you want to be full go against a team as talented as Alabama. Uh, but the good news is they are pretty deep when it comes to pass catchers. Um, you want everybody you can get, but uh, they're in pretty good shape if some of those guys aren't able to do well, Yeah, I mean, Georgia's recruited just about as good as anybody for the last four or five years with Kirby Smart, so it's not going like, to like they're going to be devoid of having wide, wide receivers and playmakers ready to go if they can't. Real quick on uh, DB Fran Brown being uh, named head coach at Syracuse. Going to be any fallout? Uh, any fallout? How's that? You know, Kirby Smart probably has as good idea how to handle that as anyway, but, but how does all, uh, Georgia move forward with that? Yeah, you know, they haven't really shared what exactly that's going to look like for Fran uh, getting the Syracuse job. Uh, Javon Bullard was asked about it last night. He said, you know, he's not sure if Fran's going to be around for this playoff run if they make the college football playoff. Uh, based on what I've heard, I do think Fran would stick around and kind of juggle both jobs, uh, coaching the DBs as well as recruiting and trying to get a staff together there at Syracuse. I will say if there is a situation where they decide, look, that's not tenable, um, you know, Fran's just going to go ahead and go to Syracuse and focus on uh, getting started there. That's about the one position on staff you could afford to lose somebody because of Kirby Smart's experience coaching there, Will Muschamp as well. 
uh, again, it kind of goes like with the players. You want everybody uh, available and ha- to have all hands on deck. Uh, but if it's a situation where they feel like Fran's got to go ahead and go, I think they're in good shape. Uh, they would just have to sort of change up the responsibilities a little bit and uh, try to get ready for the task at hand. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us on the phone lines for Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7 during On the Line. Let's talk the SEC championship game coming up and then uh, feed that into the playoff conversation because it all feeds in together, Jordan. You know that SEC championship, it's once again Auburn's two biggest rivals. I'm sure our listeners love hearing that once again. Alabama and Georgia in Atlanta. uh, CBS 3 o'clock on Saturday, the number one team in the country taking on the number eight team in the country your thoughts about this game and and just the the ramifications and the impact that this game has once again on the outcome of college football yeah I mean I think that there is the potential for a huge curveball to be thrown into the playoff picture and that would be if Alabama is able to get the upper hand which I think is entirely possible I think if Alabama wins this game we may not see an SEC team in the playoffs. Think about how crazy, how absurd that sounds. But I think unless Georgia, you know, if Georgia were to lose this game, unless it's like by a point or two or a walk-off field goal, I'm not convinced Georgia makes the playoff. And, you know, maybe maybe they can. Maybe they've built a strong enough resume. But I have a hard time, you know, justifying Georgia making the playoff if, you know, they have one loss, Alabama has one loss, but Alabama beat Georgia. Uh, it would get super, super complicated. I Nobody will admit it, but I'm sure that playoff committee is rooting very, very hard for Georgia to take care of business, to allow it to just be chalk, because otherwise, if Alabama wins this game, it is going to get super complicated when it comes to figuring out which four teams should be moving on to the playoff. Hey, moving over to uh... – basketball real quick the sec goes three and four last night against the acc georgia three and three going against fsu i believe that game's down in tallahassee four and one what should uh sec fans expect out of that tonight yeah i think it's a really important barometer for georgia especially going on the road this is their first true road game of the season then they played in las vegas they played in bahamas but obviously that was not the kind of hostile environment that they're getting ready to play in tallahassee you know, Georgia, I think, has got to show up, and the, the key is very simple. They've just got to find some offense. It seems like they have really locked in on defense on the whole, played really strong defense night after night. But there's just been some games where they just seem stagnant on offense, that they're looking for one of the teammates to step up and get the scoring going. We've seen flashes from some of these guys. Noah Thomason, the Niagara transfer, has had his best game at the last time out when they beat Winthrop. Uh, they need to get somebody going offensively. Uh, establish that they're not just a one-man or two-man shooting team, uh, that they can spread the ball out. And they're going to have their hands full against a Florida State team that, like White, really credited with playing strong defense, having a quite a bit of uh, size on the floor. Uh, Georgia, I think, is going to have to bring its A game to have a chance to win it. Are you excited about this SEC-ACC challenge in the future, Jordan, and what this could mean for Georgia and other SEC teams? Or were you more of a, a fan of the, the SEC Big 12 challenge a couple of years ago? I really like this setup. I think it matches up with some pretty interesting games that you could see year after year. I mean, you know, talking uh, with some Auburn fans, I think we all want to see Auburn-Virginia you know, kind of bring back that Final Four. Uh, you know, I'd like to see Auburn, Georgia Tech, just from the football history between those two teams. Uh, and with Georgia, I think it's just a good barometer early in the season. Georgia's played 
uh, quite a bit of ACC teams in the lead-up to this game. They've already played Wake. They beat Wake, probably Georgia's best win so far. Played Miami in the Bahamas, didn't quite pull that one out. Uh, yeah, I just like the regionality of it. Maybe see Georgia Clemson, something like that in the years to come. Uh, I kind of like how the uh, location, the proximity makes a little bit more sense uh, than some of those Big 12 games. And uh, hopefully we'll see Georgia continue to play in this challenge in the years to come. Jordan Hill of Dogs 2470 joins us every Wednesday during On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 for Rivalry Wednesday as we get you caught up on everything going on with Auburn's biggest rivals, starting with the Georgia Bulldogs. Back to uh, the football side of things on a wider scale. Man, can you make sense of what's going to happen this weekend across all of college football and, of course, Georgia-Alabama right there in the middle of it? I mean, if if you're on the committee, what does Jordan Hill do depending on the results that happen in college football this week? weekend well the first thing is jordan hill would be praying for chalk because otherwise <laughs> it's gonna get super messy i mean yes I, I just look at a team like texas like they beat alabama in Tuscaloosa. they've only got one loss and they very well may not make the playoff i mean the way it's set up uh yeah uh, i would love to be a fly on the wall in some of these meetings uh, coming up especially after saturday's action and, you know, it's all going to kind of set off uh, on Friday night. I do kind of like that we have that precursor of Oregon-Washington because I think that may kind of tell us what kind of weekend we're getting into. If You know, it's sort of like uh, Groundhog Day with uh, the uh, Groundhog coming out. We kind of know what to follow after that. Um, you know, if Oregon wins, uh, you know, I think that probably knocks Washington out of it. If Washington wins, then okay, they're locked in. And you kind of know that there's other teams fighting for those other three spots. So, yeah, I honestly do not envy the job that's going to be on this committee. I think I've probably said this before on this uh, radio show that, you know, it would only have been justice if this was the first year of the 12-team playoff. Right. There's so many teams that have a strong case. Uh, but that's not the case. And so, uh, you know, if, if I'm somebody that is not a fan of any of these teams still fighting, you know, say I'm like an Auburn fan, I'm rooting for chaos, man. I want to see it just yes. really crazy and, and put pressure on the committee to decide who should go on. No, Love Jordan, it. I think that most Auburn fans, after having their hearts ripped out last Saturday, are praying for chalk as well. <laughs> I've so got, Alabama doesn't get I've in. got two <laughs> spots that I think are locked in almost 100% and just want to get your quick opinion on it. I think the winner of Oregon-Washington is in. And I think that Michigan – has a 90% chance of winning against Iowa, and I think they're in too. So I think that leaves two spots from there. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. I think you've hit it. I mean, I think the only thing that can complicate that is if Iowa's defense just locks down and, and Iowa wins a 3 nothing or like a 7-3 game. But I'm not expecting that. I think Michigan's a lot better than Iowa. Um, it, it would be really interesting if Iowa were to win just what happens between Michigan and Iowa and Ohio State with the one-loss Michigan. But, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with that, that those two teams are in. Uh, Georgia you know, wins and is in. But I feel pretty confident this is going to be a very tough game against Alabama. Well, we're looking forward to it. It should be a really fun one in Atlanta. I assume you're going to be there covering the game, as you always are? Yeah, definitely. Definitely going to get down. Actually going to be there early with CBS Sports, do a couple of hits. All uh, right. And then get ready for the game. You're not getting too famous and too big for us, are you, Jordan? 
Well, you know, I was going to tell you, Jacob, I was going to give you my agent's number for next week. You know, we need to, we need to really kind of, you know, a lot, lot on the slate, I can tell you that. Yeah, make sure I got the right address to send that check to every month. But, hey, man, we, we appreciate you and your time. We really do appreciate it. It's always a lot of fun talking with you. Uh, enjoy the game this weekend. Enjoy covering it. And let everybody know here in Auburn where they can find all your wonderful coverage with Dogs 247. Definitely, I'd appreciate that. Uh, Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at Dogs247. So, yeah, Gary, for a big one, I'm sure it's going to be interesting because every time Georgia and Alabama play, that is exactly what it is. Uh, looking forward to being back in Atlanta and seeing how this thing plays out. And something else we're looking forward to is talking with you next week and getting reactions to this game, the playoff, and everything in between when it comes to Georgia athletics. Jordan, we appreciate it, man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds great. Thanks, guys. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 to get us going on Rivalry Wednesday here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. We'll come back and wrap up hour number one on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines as we wrap up hour number one, 334-321-1390. And we got Jumpin' Jack Cutton joining us on the phone lines. Jack, how are you, buddy? What's happening, guys? How are y'all? We are good, man. We are debating everything under the sun when it comes to college football, and I think you've got a couple things to chime in on. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I don't want to talk about one particular thing that happened. Well, I guess half of it happened under the sun on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, you know, just before we before I do get into that, um, it was just it, I was just in awe of the uh, attendance that I got to, or I, I guess the person that I got to be in attendance with at uh, the Iron Bowl this past weekend. He was uh, he he looked a lot like you, Jacob. Oh wow, and, is that uh, so? I, I really enjoyed I, I really enjoyed uh, being able to to. Experience the Iron Bowl with you, buddy. Yeah, man, we we had an absolute blast. Obviously, the result was not what we wanted, but that was one of the few games that I was not uh, covering, was not working. It was it was just something I, I didn't, you know, I wanted to go as a fan for that game, and and I the plan was for my parents to be down, didn't work out, but yeah, we we did, man. We had a lot of fun, and and glad you could be along for the ride. Yeah, well, I certainly enjoyed it. Um, you know, I think uh, looking back on the game, obviously, it's been talked about by by every pundit, by everybody around. Um, but uh, it just goes to show you, and we said this on game day on wings on Saturday, it just goes to show you that the Iron Bowl at Jordan-Hare, you don't know what's happening. You, you don't know what's going to happen in that game. Um, you know, I, I think I've, I've looked back on some of these Auburn teams that have had six wins coming into that game. You know, I mentioned the, the 2009 team, the 2015 team, um, even the 2021 team where – they come into that game with six or seven wins. Nobody's giving them a chance to, to even hang with Alabama. And not only do they compete, but they take them down to the last play or the last quarter at least, um, and they're right in it. And obviously this past Saturday was no different. So, you know, I, I'm going to be very, very remiss if I, uh, if I in the future at some point count Auburn out of an Iron Bowl in Jordan-Hare you know, I would understand if Auburn has like two or three wins. Yeah, sure, okay. You know, maybe you throw that out at that point. But I just I have a hard time counting Auburn out of making that a fourth quarter game at the very least uh, when it's injured in Jordan Hare. Yeah, I've only seen Jack a couple of them that Auburn just uh, 
didn't really show up for and struggled in. 2001 comes to mind, which was an anomaly. Uh, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what happened that day. And then in 2011, look, it's not just Alabama. Nick Saban, he, he hasn't had a, a cakewalk in Jordan-Hare Stadium except one time, and that was that 2011 game. No, you're right. Definitely when he was back at LSU, he didn't oh, yeah. really like the confines of Jordan-Hare either. Um, so I, I just think that's an, a really interesting dynamic. Um, going to be interesting in the years to come. You know, there's there's talk about is Nick Saban going to be uh, retiring soon? Well, you know, how many years does uh, how many years does the baby bear have left? If you want to call him that. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that at some point Auburn is is going to um, or Alabama is going to end up parting ways with him. Um, maybe not parting ways, but more of a mutual. Okay, coach is done now. And I wonder what that looks like. I wonder what the era looks like for Crimson Tide football after that. Um, but I, I tell you what, I think we're I think we're able to kind of look on this era of Auburn football, and and I think that people are starting to come around to the idea that you've got the right guy in the boat. Uh, now it's about what can he do, how, what kind of commotion can he stir up this off season to really get this team pointed forward in year two. Yeah, and I think you're right about that, and I think that's where a lot of fans are trying to get even just a few days removed out of the Iron Bowl, right? It's like, okay, well, look, that lost hurt, that lost was not fun, um, but there are things that you can build on from that, and I think that's where a lot of fans are going with <clears throat> with recruiting and with so many other things, and, and I know a lot of fans are focused on, of course, the college football playoff and everything going on right now, but for Auburn in particular, yeah, I think a lot of the attention has been turned to uh, the recruiting side of things, Jack. I think so, too. With signing day coming up, obviously, um, you've got a couple big-time offensive players that you're looking at, of course. Uh, Cam Coleman, the big one that, that all of us have talked about forever, it seems like. Um, you also got an offensive lineman out of Katy, Texas, which is Right over there close to College Station, you're trying to pull him out, Cohen Eccles. Um, but really the defensive side of the ball, I think, is going to be one where, where Auburn's got a few more pieces to plug in, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do with those final spots. Um, you know, they got a commitment the other day from uh, a 2025 defensive lineman, a four-star guy. So, um, you know, it, it's I find it very interesting what is happening with this recruiting class and the fact that, you know, last year you kind of start out not very quick, but Hugh gets a couple late, and you go 2024 class has been really good. I think 25 is shaping up to be really special. Yes, it is. Jack, we appreciate you calling in, man. Always great to hear from you, buddy. Have a great day. Appreciate it, guys. That's Jack Cutton. Jumping Jack Cutton joining us on the phone lines as a guest here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Hour number one flew by. Oh, my goodness. It's already in the books. We'll talk some more coming up in hour number two. We got some college basketball to go over with the SEC ACC Challenge. Auburn and Virginia Tech tonight, plus Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us coming up in hour number two as well. Don't go anywhere. That's all here on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goetz. He is Uncle T-Bone Wade Bennett. We're inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. They're our wonderful studio sponsor each and every day between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of our number one here on Rivalry Wednesday, we had Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 join us on the phone lines to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs in their close season finale against Georgia Tech that nobody really talked about but had a lot of injuries there Uh, he brought that up and gave some good uh, updates on that plus talked about the SEC championship game and gave the Georgia perspective of what the playoff could look like coming up in just a few days so that was in hour number one we talked some uh, college football playoff for us and and, uh, as well and still have so much to talk about with that as the days go on but that was all in hour number one you can find it on our station website espnau.com it'll be posted commercial free right after the show today or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast coming up here in hour number two we're about to get to the phone lines. We have Terry standing by. We're also going to talk college basketball with the SEC ACC Challenge. I'm really excited to get into that because Auburn basketball plays tonight, playing Virginia Tech in the SEC ACC Challenge over at Neville Arena. And Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama, will join us to talk about the SEC Championship game. Uh, of course, get some recap on the Iron Bowl and then uh, what the playoff could look like for Alabama if they try to make a push for that as well but until then phone lines are open for you to be a part of the show 334-321-1390 and we start our number two with terry you're on the line with jacob goins and uncle tebow hey jacob hey uh, hey t-bone how's it going we're doing well man what's up i'm just curious what you guys thought of the heisman trophy because personally i think it's turned into a joke uh, I think it was a good award, a great award at one time, but I think it's a joke. I think it's not about the best player; it's the most popular player. I think it's sports version of American Idol. It's not about who's the best; it's about like American Idol who can gyrate and who's the cutest to make the fourteen-year-old girl scream. I mean, it's just another beauty pageant in college football nowadays. I mean, you know, bowl games used to be very important, and now they're not near as important because they've just been so saturated. I, I can't remember when it really kind of turned to a uh, a trophy that. You know, it's a lot like the NBA for me. Back in the 80s and 90s, I loved it. I thought it was great entertainment. I thought it was awesome basketball, wonderful rivalries. And then I just quit paying attention to it because it just didn't matter that much to me anymore. And that's how I feel about the Heisman. Well, I'll tell you where I think it changed, T-Bone. I think it changed, quite honestly, when they gave it Charles Woodson over Peyton Manning. Mm. Because, I mean, not to, knock, not to knock him, he's a great player. But if you're going to give it to a defensive player, there was many defensive players who had better stats than him and didn't get a mention. I know he played, you know, half a dozen or a little over a dozen plays on, I don't know, on offense, and everybody made up a kick return kicks and all that kind of garbage. But that, that's what it turned into a popularity award right there. I think, too, in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years where it has become a very heavy quarterback award, too, Terry, I think that doesn't help it at all where you've had one receiver win it and the uh, running back hasn't won it since when. It was um, – it was – who was it, Derrick Henry, right, with Alabama. So, I mean, ever since then, it's been all quarterbacks, and I don't think that helps the award either. Yeah, yeah, and, and they, 
like I said, if, if, if you're going to make it a true football award, there's people who never get a sniff of the downtown athletic club that are pretty good football players. There's a lot of good football players. There's a lot of good football Yeah, there's a lot of good ones that don't even get a sniff of it. So I don't think it's a – as T-Bone writes, it's a beauty contest. It's not about the – because I have I – have, there's no better player in the country than that quarterback at LSU. Yeah. And I think if whoever's got the first pick in the draft, I don't know if it's Chicago, they should have. They're terrible. But didn't they win Monday night? Didn't they beat Minnesota? They did somehow, some way. Yeah. Yeah, really. If they take if they take the quarterback over USC Plus, over him, that's fine. But they're making a mistake. I think he's going to be the better option. I really do. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who love or uh, what's his name at USC, Caleb Williams, and I think he's an ultimate bust in the NFL. That's just me though. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Of course, uh, he's going to be playing for Jim Harbaugh too. So yeah. he goes to the Bears. <laughs> you know, Bo Nix is going to win the Heisman, right? Uh, no. I'm telling you, Terry, they're going to give it to Bo Nix. Well, like Jacob just said, it's a quarterback award. That, that's just going to further illustrate his point. Well, I mean, I, you know, the quarterback uh, in college football really in the last, you know, almost 10 years now with the new offenses and the new spreads. I mean, if you don't have a quarterback, you really don't have a prayer of winning a game. It used to be you could get by with a quarterback who was just a game manager. I mean, to, to have championship caliber teams now, your quarterback has to put up some – ungodly numbers so i think that's kind of why they matriculate up there to the top naturally for the heisman but you know i i, I make an argument that healthy brock bowers is the best player in college football i mean he if i was an nfl team and i had any kind of smidgen of a quarterback that's who i'd be looking to draft well look i've never been a fan of bo nix I'm, I'm not gonna say but he could win i certainly deserve him but if he wins it over Jaden Daniels, he's not as good as Jaden daniels i promise you nowhere near as good as that kid michaela's fish pumping in the studio i mean i did see bo nix's numbers while at auburn and then i've seen him you know in the sec and then i've seen him while at oregon and people forget i mean transfer quarterbacks do naturally get better in their second year Mm -hmm. um, if they stay with their team or longer yeah Yeah, we know they play great defense out west right but but (laughs) hey terry do you remember that first game of his first uh first season at oregon who'd they play georgia and how that how that taste Mm mm-hmm Right. Didn't he get beat pretty bad? Oh, yeah. Gosh, oh, it, was a, it was an embarrassment. Shedded. Yeah, it was a bad. Yeah, they play great defense out there. Take care, guys. Appreciate the call, Terry. 334-321-1390. Let's get Shane in here really quickly. Shane, what's up, brother? Real quick. Yeah. On that topic, um, the, uh, the, the Heisman, you know, it, it changed for me when, when there was already, you know, uh, a certain group of guys that were already mentioned before the season started. Heisman, yeah, Heisman. So, uh, odds the before the season favorite. starts yeah yeah right right that's what's when it, that's when it happened that, that gives that doesn't give you know that that gives that gives the, the the guys that are out of nowhere that might deserve it such a such a crutch because they have to overcome that popularity because these other guys have been spoken to about you know off season not not even playing a game i like that uh, i like that a lot actually it's, it's frustrating you know but anyway Let's show guys. So yeah, appreciate the call. Appreciate so the call, Shane. basically, social media and social media reporting has ruined the Heisman shocker. I mean, I mean you got to have something to talk about, so let's just throw this extra article in there. It's a lot like the argument, why should there be uh, any type of rankings in any polls 
until about the uh, oh, I don't know ninth, eighth, ninth game of the season. I think but, there's arguments to be made, but there's uh, plenty of content that's needed. Well, right? those are never going away. I mean, that, exactly. and that's the thing, and I think that's why Shane, you know, showing a little frustration is that none of that is ever going away because of the media that we're in and the in the world that we live in as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety phones continuing to to uh, go off the hook over there. And John, you're on the line on a Wednesday afternoon. Jacob, how's it going? Good afternoon, fellas. Yes, sir. Good afternoon, John. What's on your mind? Hey, I was gonna. If y'all if y'all touched on this, I missed it. What was your thoughts on uh, Mike Elko going to A and M and basically cutting ties with all the offensive staff there? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was really surprised by that. Honestly, I wasn't surprised in the hire of Elko. That seemed like a natural fit with A and M's ties to the military. I thought maybe to improve the military, they might go out and try and get Tuberville over there. But they went with Elko. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was just surprised. It's, uh, it's really an interesting move to cut ties with your basically your entire offensive and recruiting staff. Yeah, well, there's the big word right there was recruiting staff, John. You nailed it right there. And, and yeah, I, I mentioned it slightly yesterday, but haven't. I mean, there's been so many other things to talk about. We just haven't had a chance to get to it. And, and it was a... <laughs> It's a hire that I feel like Texas A&M fans, from what I've heard and been told, it's kind of a 50-50 split of their, eh, you know, we'll see where it goes. And it's like, really? That's the best you could do? I think it's a right. good hire. Um, but, yeah, when you come in and clean house, basically, there's a lot of big-name recruits over there that are relying on those coaches, and they're no longer there. And uh, I think Auburn fans are hoping to be the beneficiary of that. They are. And, and one other question I had, uh, the name just slipped my mind, uh, the Duke quarterback who – a lot of people are presuming is going to the portal. Wouldn't A and M be a pretty decent destination there? You would think so. Yeah, you would think so. As long as the relationship with his head coach is there, right? With with Mike Elko, as long as that relationship is there, then yeah, for sure. Right. Thank you, guys. Anyway, I've been sitting on the Tuberville line for about a week. I, I love it. I love it. Appreciate it, John. So Thanks you're for the call. About Riley Leonard, who is a Mobile kid, an in-state kid. What kind of connection? Does he have the Texas A&M outside of the head coach, Mike Elko, 16-9 and in two seasons while the head coach at Duke? That's very respectable at for that Duke program. Now, at now Duke. we are talking about the ACC, and it's not near as strong as conference. This, you know, it's probably one of the weaker conferences, if not the weakest in major college football. My problem with this, though, Jacob, is, is, is hear, hear me out. You pay $76 million. We'll just say that's the number. Who knows? I mean, it could be $78. $76 million for the right to go out and hire a coach. And then you back it up with a guy who's been the head coach at Duke for two years. Just because he he was your defensive coordinator for three years, okay, with another $42 million contract, that's $118 million for Mike Elko. Hmm. I, that's just not worth. That's just not a big enough splash hire for years. Truly, I'd be. So you're not a fan of furious. it. Furious. Not well. Think- as a, as a, I guess from a, from a, you know, as a neutral perspective, you're not a fan of it. I mean, right. as an Auburn person, are you a fan of it? Does it worry you? And that's a question no. to Auburn fans. No. Does Mike Elko going to Texas A&M nope. scare you at all as an Auburn nope. fan? I don't think I so. I think I'd have been more scared with Bobby Petrino being propped up as the head coach than Mike Elko. What do you think about him going back to Arkansas? I think that Arkansas's <laughs> lost their minds. That is the. I, I mean, said that on, yesterday guys. on the show. I saw it during a break, and I had to come back from break and talk about it yesterday because it blew my mind. I mean, you can't go back and hire the guy you had to fire because of 
well, I guess it was sexual harassment. Uh, I mean, all sorts of whatever stuff, you want to call it. I mean, I don't really have the the words for it. I don't mind him going somewhere else, and I don't. I'm sure he's re- rehabilitated, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because humans make mistakes and everyone deserves a second chance and they need to everyone deserves a shot pretty much every human of, of getting their life together and moving forward i know i've made plenty of mistakes in my lifetime but you can't go back to the place where you made one of the most monumental embarrassing and laughable mistakes it's still a meme it still People is were dressed up like like you for halloween man yeah and arkansas is so desperate that they think that's the answer, and look, I like Bobby Petrino, and he, I wanted him to be the head coach of Auburn. If they had hired him, I wouldn't have had a problem with it when they pulled the jet gate or whatever you want to call that. But let's just be real, too. He's kind of a little bit from that Jimbo Fisher era, and, and offenses have really changed since then. You're not Nobody's running that fullback West Coast stuff anymore. And what did A&M's offense do this year that gets you so excited? Nothing, no, and here's not how excited lot. KJ Jefferson I mean, is. Our better than last year. That's it. But oh it yeah, much better. But last year it was putrid. Well, here's what KJ Jefferson thinks about it. He plans on entering the transfer portal. So sure. there you go. I mean, there's and that was you know that's been the reports. That's been the rumors. I saw he he debunked it on his Instagram. But I mean, if that gets out, is he really hanging around Arkansas? Let's be real. I mean, is he are, really going to stay in Fayetteville? Are they hiring him? Much like I thought they A and M was hiring him. To, remember, we talked about that preseason. Yeah. I, I think AM had found their at least next intern coach. <laughs> there Ar- went that. Is Arkansas trying to figure out a way to bring no him back, thinking they're going to catch lightning back in the bottom oh, like my they did God. in 2011? I mean, you know. They would riot. I don't know. Would they? Why aren't they rioting now? I mean, I can't. My, look- my buddy in Arkansas, Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas, I texted him yesterday. I said, dude, what is happening? He said, couldn't tell you. He said, never in my wildest dreams did I think this I would mean, happen. I can't believe there, there is like actual standards and faculty standards and, and code of ethics at universities that, you know, if the same thing had happened with a history professor who was a really good history professor, say in the Civil War, an expert, and, and that exact same thing happened, would they roll out the red carpet for him to be a, G, a, a, a teacher assistant again? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. So. I, I, probably not. But probably there's so not. much money, and you said the word earlier on the line, that people in college football – especially in college athletics, are just so desperate for success they'll do just about anything, like bringing a guy who wrecked a motorcycle for weird reasons back as the new possible head coach a couple years from now. Weird reasons. We'll stick with that as we go to break. 334-321-1390. We're talking basketball when we come back as Auburn taking on Virginia Tech tonight in Neville Arena. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's talk a little basketball here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line as we have the SEC-ACC challenge that began last night, continuing into tonight. Uh, we've got a few minutes before we get to Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. Um, the SEC-ACC challenge began last night in college basketball, Uncle T-Bone. Some big games were on last night, and man, they just weren't as impressive as I thought they were because some of these were some big old blowouts. Well, I'll tell you what was impressive was uh, Kentucky last How about night. That? I watched a lot of that basketball Ooh, game. Man. And I'm going to tell you what, if they play like they did in the second half, 
in the tournament, you can just probably turn out the lights, and I'm not joking. You, people need to go back and watch some of that second half. That was some fantastic basketball. Uh, Shepherds just out of control as a guard. And, hey, that was number eight Miami that they just completely dismantled. And we all remember that Miami team with their guard play. Kentucky extremely impressive. And so was Missouri going into Pittsburgh and getting the W. I watched a lot of that game, too. I flipped back and forth on both of them. That pit crowd was uh, rowdy last night, and Missouri just hung in there. And they play a pretty physical brand of defense, kind of like their football team. Yeah, well, uh, one thing I'll say about that Kentucky team is they are still not 100% healthy. They still Unreal. have guys that are not playing, that and two big seven-footers that are not playing still. And so um, that Kentucky team is only going to get better. Uh, they waxed Miami they at waxed home them. the other night, or last night. It was really, really impressive. Um, Kentucky winning 95-73. to 73. Uh, How about Georgia Tech taking down Mississippi State? What in the world? I, I didn't catch much of that game. I saw it on for a minute, but there were other games on. I wasn't too focused on Mississippi sure. State, Georgia Tech. Um, but Mississippi State was a top 25 team and they go on the road and lose to Georgia Tech 67-59 well I think this is a theme in this ACC SEC challenge you'll see again tonight I like this one better than the Big 12 by the way because I think the ACC in basketball is the premier basketball league just about year in year out historically uh, you cannot take any of these ACC teams for granted. And Georgia Tech not ranked. Mississippi State rolls into uh, Atlanta and gets shell shock. LSU goes up to Syracuse. Now, Syracuse is a historic, uh, very strong basketball program. They got wrecked, too. And then Clemson goes to number 23, Alabama, and just rolls the tide in Coleman Coliseum. You can't take any of these teams for granted, Jacob. No, you can't. And that's the thing about the ACC, man. They put in more teams in the NCAA tournament than just about any other conference. And Clemson, undefeated, went on the road and took down Alabama. And this was not as close as it looked, I don't think. I feel like Clemson, once they got the lead in that second half, they kind of held it there. And then, yeah, 85-77. That's a good but not great Alabama team. And you look at what their schedule has in store for them. If you haven't seen it, let me just tell you what they've got coming up. They have a loss to Ohio State, they beat Oregon, and they lost to Clemson. They get one more little tune-up game with Arkansas State coming up uh, this weekend, or I guess early next week. But after that, here are three straight games for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Number one, Purdue. At number 15, Creighton. And number two, Arizona. That is who they're playing. That game is in Phoenix, so basically it's another road game. Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona. That is what they have. One, 15, and that Purdue game is in Toronto. So none of those games are being played in Coleman Coliseum. Three straight games against top 15 opponents away from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Trying to figure out what happened in Coleman Coliseum last night. Clemson had played a pretty weak schedule. Alabama, a little bit tougher schedule than Clemson, but not by much. Um, former player and commentary Jay Williams had some interesting comments at halftime, basically calling out the uh, lack of Alabama crowd inside the Coliseum and said it was a quote, it sounded, it was quote unquote, a tennis match. Now, look, I think Ooh. that's a little unfair, 8.30 on a Tuesday night, but there wasn't a lot of excitement about this Alabama team, Jacob. I, I'm going to have to say there are a lot of pundits and a lot of fans saying that my, this might be one of the best ones. Why aren't they packing that place out? 
But a Tuesday night 8.30 drive over to Tuscaloosa doesn't sound like really much fun to me, Uncle T-Bone, I'll tell you that. Hey, man, it's hard to fill up that big old uh, airplane hangar they got sit over there, man. A lot, of, a lot of space to fill in Tuscaloosa. Well, I want to get to the games coming up tonight because sure. there are some good ones, including Auburn and Virginia Tech. Let's go through the other ones quickly. Uh, number 14, Texas A&M taking on Virginia on the road there in Charlottesville. Could be a sneaky matchup. It'll be the most boring basketball you watch, but hey, you know what? Credit to Virginia. They're favored somehow. Texas A&M going down to FAU uh, a couple of games ago and that is an FAU Mm. team that also beat Virginia Tech coming to town and is red hot and for real again yes they are Florida and Wake Forest you have number seven Duke on the road in Fayetteville taking on the Hogs a game that we thought was going to be a lot of fun and very well still could be but Arkansas is four and three, man. Struggling out of the gate. Duke favored by four and a half tonight. Boston College, Vanderbilt, Snore, Georgia, Florida State could be decent, right? Jordan Hill talked to us about that back in the first hour. Number 10, Tennessee in Chapel Hill, taking on number 17, North Carolina. The Vols and the Tar Heels, man. Two big name college basketball programs going at it tonight for the SEC ACC Challenge. Yeah, that game coming on two uh, two hours before Virginia Tech and Auburn will be a good way for everyone around town to start the night watching basketball. That'll be a heck of a ball game. Hard for me to go against North Carolina in their uh, in their own gym, but Tennessee's a uh, they're a pretty scrappy basketball team. Yeah, they are. And then of course Auburn and Virginia Tech tonight in Neville Arena. Auburn favored by eight and a half points over Virginia. Virginia Tech, they are 5-2. and two. Auburn is 4-1. and one. Undefeated at home, and Virginia Tech yet to play an actual road game this season. They've played games at home and on neutral site, but they have yet to play a true road game, and Uncle T-Bone, they're going to see a true road game tonight inside of Neville Arena. Yeah, don't make the same mistake uh, Auburn fan tonight that Alabama fan made last night in not getting over to uh, Neville Arena. I know it's a later tip-off. Uh, that can be difficult sometimes, but get in there. Virginia Tech 5-2. and two. Um, Auburn with only one loss. Uh, Tigers giving the Hokies eight and a half at home tonight. Look, my dad and his buddies are driving down from Birmingham. So for an 8-15 tip, Pops is coming to town. Heck yeah, that's right. Yep, they'll be here. So if they can make the drive from Birmingham, people around here can get to the game as well. Uh, Tickets you can get probably a pretty decent price for a midweek game against Virginia Tech. So get out, be supportive. Um, When you look at this team, man, Auburn, for people that forgot what we've seen in the past their last game was against Alabama A&M they won it by 30 84 to 54 but man in the postgame press conference Bruce Pearl was not happy with this team and their performance because he has yet to see them play two halves back to back and put a team or put a, a game together and that's a real concern down the road they'll have to try and do that tonight against Virginia Tech yeah I mean how much of this is uh sincere anger and how much of this is motivation bruce pearls had some pretty big leads in several of these games and uh tried some various rotations in the second half unlike some coaches who'd probably just kept the starters in and gone for blood yeah well here's the thing i'll say about auburn they were up by 40 for a lot of that game against alabama a&m and it's like 
What, what, do, you, what, what do you do? What more do you need to do? Right. I mean, Auburn has a tremendous bench. There's a lot of players that need to see the court or want to see the court, and they need to see the court because, look, come tournament time, we've seen a couple of years where Auburn's had some injuries late, and you may have to rely on one of those players. They have to be game ready at all times. Virginia Tech has a center that will be going up against Janai Broom tonight named Lynn Kidd. Uh, he is 6'10", 235, averages 16 points a game, eight rebounds he is their go-to guy in the paint uh Janai Broom will have the height advantage there I think he'll have the size advantage there and to be completely honest he's gonna have the skill advantage there as well but Kid does shoot a very high field goal percentage. He's very effective with the basketball in his hands. I look for Janai Broom on the defensive end tonight to hold his own get his on the offensive end I say this all the time Janai Broom is a walking double-double. He has to get multiple points and double-digit rebounds for Auburn to be successful. Yeah, you can't take this Virginia Tech team for lightly. Going back to 2016, two NIT appearances and five NCAA appearances. I know it's not your premier Duke or North Carolina, but it's an ACC team, and Auburn needs to be ready to play. Should be a lot of fun. I hope the atmosphere is good as well. Auburn favored by 8.5 tonight in the SEC ACC Challenge. When we come back, Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama, will join us here on Rivalry Wednesday. We'll talk about the Iron Bowl, the SEC Championship, and the college football playoff. That's all coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. It is Rivalry Wednesday around here on ESPN 106.7. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. As we welcome in our weekly guest for Rivalry Wednesday, it is Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. Austin, I'm doing this with, with knives and pitchforks and the torches coming after me for bringing you on this week, but I said, no, I respect Austin enough. I like his opinions and I figured I'd do it anyway, so if we don't do this next week, it's because I got kicked off the air. <laughs> Quite the uh, eventful Saturday night at Jordan-Hare Stadium, right? I mean, um, you know, I haven't been doing this too long yet, but there has not there have not been many moments that are up there with being on the field for 4th for and 31 the other night um, and then everything that happened afterwards and the absolute just stunned nature of, of everybody that was in the stadium. You know, and nobody left, it felt like, for – 10, 15 minutes after the, the clock hit zero, it just seemed like nobody really knew what to do. And it, it was quite a scene, and it, it's what makes the sport of culture ball great is just, you know, you don't have that kind of stuff in the NFL, right? And we, we talk about rivalry week, and I'm on here every Wednesday to do that kind of thing. There's just not stuff like this in other sports where it means so much to each fan base that you see reactions like that on both sides. And I'm sure you've seen some of the Alabama reactions from uh, people in their homes and watching on TVs kind of like we saw with the kick six back in 2013 uh, when all those videos started going viral. So, I mean, it's just it's, it's the rivalry that it seems like it delivers every single year. Um, and Saturday was no different. It was really special to be down there for it. Yeah, I'm glad you you bring that up. Just the, you know, take the take the the winning and losing or the winner and loser out of it, right? Just how it happened in the game itself and the atmosphere. The whole game was just 
so much fun and it, it is what makes college football so special but at the end of the day Alabama did get the win uh, with the, the 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 miracle there at the end that, that Jalen Milrow was able to pull off to Isaiah Bond in the back corner of the end zone and Alabama's still alive in the SEC championship game of course this weekend and trying to make a push to the college football playoff because of it. Yeah, they're hanging around, and by the skin of their teeth, I mean, Auburn had them right where they wanted them, and this is actually a funny story to talk about the game before we get into more uh, of this week's stuff. So, I'm down there, and I'm with my coworker Blake Byler, who also does great work for Bama Central, and we're standing right there in the corner where Isaiah Bond ends up catching the football, and obviously the final drive kind of starts unraveling, and it's a penalty, and then it's, you know, a snap, maybe or maybe not, an Auburn player claps, and the and the ball flies over Milrow's head, and then, you know, he picks up another illegal, you know, crossing the line of scrimmage penalty. And next thing you know, it's fourth and 31, and we, you know, they take a couple timeouts on each side, and we're kind of like, all right, we should probably, you know, get headed over there to the, to the Alabama locker room so that when this thing, you know, when this ball falls incomplete, I mean, they're gonna be, there's going to be Auburn people crawling up the field, essentially. Um, and then, of course, when the clock hits zero, I mean, it's going to turn into mayhem. So, I mean, we kind of need to get out of here before that happens. Um, and we actually left the the side of the end zone it was in and oh, wow. the other side. Um, and so I, I, I didn't get the perfect video, but uh, I still got great reaction from all the players and everything after that. But uh, like you said, they're, they're hanging around. They're still alive somehow. Um, and it's a big game. I mean, I think everybody kind of assumed we'd get to this point between Alabama and Georgia. Maybe some people thought LSU and Jane Daniels would win the West, but obviously the Tigers struggled on defense this year and, here we are, the SEC Championship Week, and um, like you said, I mean, they're, they're still in the playoff hunt, but things feel really weird around Tuscaloosa right now, um, just with the vibes because of what we've seen from the College Football Playoff Committee. And I think, you know, from an unbiased perspective, I understand why the fans are upset about, you know, Oregon being ahead of them in the rankings, and um, I don't really understand, I don't really agree with the whole Florida State shouldn't be in because they lost their quarterback thing. I think that's, you know, there, there's 21 other guys on that team that played and won 13 games if they win this weekend, and I think they absolutely deserve to make the playoff, regardless uh, of what, you know, if they have their quarterback or don't have their quarterback and how valuable you think he is to that team, uh, I think they deserve it. They won all their games. They did what they could to get to the position they're in, and they've got a tough game, obviously, this week. But um, I, I think the Oregon thing is the one that's really bothering people, and they don't understand – um, quite why, because if you line up the resumes, um, it, Alabama's is better. It just is. And so uh, it's a little bit of a weird feeling at Tuscaloosa, but I think people are excited nevertheless to play uh, Kirby Spartan Georgia again. Yeah. Uh, uh, real quick on the playoffs before we get into the SEC uh, championship talk, I, I, I think they said it last night and without saying it, they used to always call it the eye test. And in the right. committee looks like to me by saying, well, we're going to put the four best teams in there that they're going to take this eye test back into account, which I don't believe in and never have. I think it's unfair. And like you, Austin, I think it's unfair to Florida State and the 23 other players that have played on the field in all those games and the entire program, if they were to win out and then get leapfrogged, that's ridiculous. But, you know, that's kind of what the college football playoffs for a very long time have been. So I'm with you on that. Real quick, getting into the SEC championship game, I saw this stat. Now, I need you to confirm this because this is this is impressive. If Georgia closes as the favorite before Saturday's showdown, this would be the only the fourth time, is that right, 
that Alabama has been an underdog since 2010? Is eight, that correct? So it, it was. It was 2008. Was Tim Tebow's uh, Florida Gators against that first Alabama team that that looked like they were primed for a run with John Parker Wilson, but it ended up losing to Florida in the SEC title, and the Gators going to win the Natty. And then since then, 2008, there has only been four. And actually, even more of a fun fact: all four were against Georgia. Uh, that includes wow. 2015, after Jake Coker lost to Ole Miss, and they had to go to Athens. Alabama ended up winning that game, I think, thirty-eight to ten in the rain and after. Yeah, that was probably the game. Championship that year. Yeah, that was probably the game, real quick, that sealed the deal for Mark Rick, right? Right, and then last year, both of those matchups, both the one in Atlanta that Alabama won and the national championship, Georgia was favored in both of those, and they're absolutely going to be favored again on Saturday. So, yeah, pretty crazy stat. Not not something you see every day. And I mean, it's, it's believable though. I mean, how many times have you turned your TV on on a Saturday and expected Alabama to lose the football game? Yeah, and, and I think that's a, a a testament, obviously, to Nick Saban and what he's done there at Alabama. But talk to us about this game coming up Saturday. Georgia, the number one team in the country. Alabama, the number eight team in the country. And, and there's a lot of people that feel that if Georgia win or lose, they're in the playoff. If Alabama loses, they're obviously out. But if they win, they're going to make this thing really interesting. But we'll get to that in a second. The game at hand, the SEC championship game, it's Alabama-Georgia once again. What has to happen here uh, for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide to get yet again another SEC championship victory? Yeah, it's a fascinating game. And I, I think anytime Kirby Smart and Nick Saban go at it, I think everybody kind of agrees that the top two coaches in the country um, at this time. And of course, Saban's probably the best to ever do it. And so Kirby got him in Indianapolis in the national championship a couple years ago, but that was the only win. And, and people will remember that as, well, at least in a crimson lens, Alabama fans will remember that as, you know, the time that they didn't have Jamison Williams and John Metchie, the top two receivers on the team that had just weeks prior torn up the Georgia secondary in a 41 to 24 win. And I think a lot of fans believe Alabama would have repeated that same, you know, effort if they had those players in the game. Obviously Georgia wins the game and they deserve all the credit and, I'm not here to take anything away from that. I'm just saying that the idea around this game with Alabama fans is they feel like they they, they even could be 5-0 and against Kirby um, if that game was to go a little bit differently. The game this weekend, I mean, I, I think I, I think Georgia's the better football team on paper, uh, Jacob. I, I think they are. I think they're really peaking right now. Um, we've seen Carson Beck grow into something that Stetson Bennett never really was, which is you know, over the years, Georgia's obviously won back-to-back championships. They won 29 games in a row, and they did all of that with a quarterback that I think is inferior to the one they have now. Um, just based off the, the tape I've seen from Carson Beck this year, he's been incredible on third down. He hasn't turned the football over, um, and he's made big plays in big moments like he did at Jordan-Hare Stadium, finding Brock Bowers for that touchdown at the end. He's got the it factor. He's, he's been there waiting for his turn. He got his turn this year, and he's been everything I think they imagined he would be. Uh, but then the one thing about Carson Beck that I, I am looking for in this game is I don't think he's faced a lot of pressure this year. Not just that, I don't think he's faced a defense close to as good as Alabama's. And so we're really going to find out a lot about him on Saturday. Um, if Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell start getting in off the edges on him, how does he kind of handle that? How does he handle getting beat up a little bit by big guys like that? Uh, because he really, he really hasn't all year. Their offensive line has been great. Um, they, they've been able to kind of move the ball efficiently at any pace they want all year long. And I think they might, you know, they might face a little something they haven't seen this year on Saturday. Um, and on the, on the offensive side for Alabama, you know, obviously Jalen Milrow is the guy to watch. Um, you know, if you're going to beat Georgia, your quarterback's going to have to have a great game. It's looking like Jason McClellan might be out. Um, I've reported that a couple mm. times this week. He hasn't practiced yet. Uh, obviously the starting running back at Alabama, 
So that kind of puts you behind the sticks a little bit, already going against a stingy defense like that. But can these playmakers? I mean, two years ago, we saw Bryce Young just absolutely, he was given time. Kind of the bigger guys on that Georgia defensive line were not able to get pressure on him, and he absolutely takes Georgia's secondary apart. Um, obviously, the, the receivers on that team were really good. I, I think you're going to see an inspired effort from Jermaine Burton, who obviously played two years in Georgia. Uh, I'm excited to see how he does at wide receiver. Obviously, Isaiah Bond coming off the huge catch last week. It's going to be interesting. I think Alabama's defense can keep them in the game. Brock Bowers is a big name. He's probably the best player in the country. Um, Alabama, I'm hearing rumors, is going to try to, you know, we, we've seen Caleb Downs, who's been at safety all year, move into that star position in the slot corner these last few weeks, including at Auburn last week. They used him a lot in that role, and he actually got beat pretty bad uh, a few times in, in that role. So I think they're trying to craft him because there, there's it, Brock Bowers is such a matchup problem that, uh, you know, a lot of Alabama's players and coaches this week are, were describing him like Travis Kelsey, where if you want to try and play a little bit of zone coverage, he's probably going to find the open holes, and Carson Beck's probably going to find him open. And so, ideally, you want to play him man-to-man, but you're going to have to either have a linebacker that can cover really well in space or a, a defensive back like Caleb Downs that's strong and physical and can play maybe on that spot, you know, after he's gotten a few weeks of experience there. So, uh, I think it's a fascinating game, and like I tweeted the other day, I really do think we're seeing the national championship unfold in Atlanta, Georgia. Obviously, I think if Georgia wins the game, they go on to win the three-feet. I think if Alabama wins the game, regardless of if they get in the playoff or not, I, I think they kind of establish themselves as the best team in the country. And I, I don't think there's that many people that would argue that, depending on how Saturday goes. Um, and it'll just be up to the committee at that point if they've seen enough, if Alabama is able to win the game. We're talking with Austin Hannon of Bama Central here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line for Rivalry Wednesday. Our intern for the semester and show producer Michaela has a question for you, Austin. Hey, Austin, how are you? Great, how are you? I would congratulate you on the win, but I'm a Auburn senior and I'm still grieving, so can't. But I can respect that. I can respect that. <laughs> so my question is, since the college football playoff started in 2014, Alabama's only missed the playoffs twice and never two years in a row. So if Georgia happens to win on Saturday and Alabama misses the playoffs a second year in a row, what does this mean in terms of Saban's legacy and kind of just the future of this Alabama program? Yeah, I think, you know, people always want to say, you know, people, Georgia and Alabama are compared more than any team in the country, you know, two teams in the country at this time in the, in the current sphere of the sport because they're the ones that are one, two in recruiting classes a lot of times. They're the ones that are usually playing for the national championship. And so, they kind of craft their rosters after each other. And, and there's been coaches that have gone back and forth between the two schools. Obviously, Kirby Smart was, you know, Nick Saban's right-hand man for a lot of time and Tuscaloosa's defensive coordinator. And so there's a lot of familiar faces in this game. And I, I think these programs, each fan base, I thought Josh Pate said this really well on his show last night. They kind of compare each other. To, like when you, If you're a Georgia fan, let's say you're a Georgia fan. Um, when this season started, there was really probably one team in the country that you were like, if there's somebody that could beat us and, and stop this three-peat, it's probably Alabama. And if you're an Alabama fan, I think you look over at the other side and say, we know who we have. We know the talent on our roster. If there's any team that can beat us, it's probably Kirby Smart in Georgia just because of you know how impressive they've been on the field for really going on three years now. So I think if, if, if Georgia finds a way to win the game as they're favored to do, it says a lot more to me, at least, about Georgia's progress than it does about Alabama falling apart. I don't think this is – if Nick Saban's the head coach in Tuscaloosa, they keep bringing in the top three recruiting classes that they are every year. 
nobody's going to have any questions about the job he's doing and, and everything like that. If he, and if he stays for three, four, five more years, I would find it hard to believe he wouldn't win at least one more national championship. So I think if Georgia does win this game, and I think if they do, they'll go on to win the three-feet, it just kind of puts them in a new category of, you know, Alabama fans don't want to hear it, but the, the Alabama that you remember from the early 2010s, that kind of becomes what Georgia is if they're able to win this game. So it's kind of a tide turner. I think the reason it's so big is it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. I mean, if you're a Georgia fan, you already think you're on top of the mountain. Obviously, you've won back-to-back championships. Uh, but Alabama fans can kind of hold it against you that, hey, you know, you did beat us that one time, but it was, you know, without two of our better players on the whole team. Um, and so if Alabama is able to kind of overcome Georgia this year and, and win the game again, I think the conversation kind of flips back to, oh, well, Kirby Smart just can't beat Nick Saban. That, that, that national championship win two years ago was a, was a fraud win, and, and Alabama's still on top of the world. So uh, there, there's big implications. I, I think Alabama fans just getting the vibe from them. It's mostly they're happy to be here. Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, Did we lose Austin? Maybe we did. Well, uh, he may have lost service there on the at the end of us. We'll just Not many, oh, there he is. There he is. Got you now, Austin. Go ahead, wrap it up. Yeah, that, that was that's the end of my thought. Okay, you're good. Yeah, we lost connection there with you for a second, but no, I think you're right. I mean, the 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 implications here, not just in the game itself, but the the legacies that are on the line with Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Alabama, and Georgia. I mean, there's so much going into this game as it is every single year. Um, we're looking forward to it, man. We appreciate you and your time each and every week here on Rivalry Wednesday, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Plug everything you got going on where people can find you because I know you'll be covering the game this weekend in Atlanta. I will be. And I, I love Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I don't know if any of you have had a chance to, to get over there, but it's a beautiful stadium. It's got a gorgeous press box. Um, and, and I think the staff there does a great job. So I'm really excited to get back into that beautiful stadium in Atlanta. Um, I like the city as well. I will be there. I'm excited to be there. You can follow all our work at BamaCentral.com or you can follow me on Twitter at AustinHaren underscore. Uh, looking forward to a good game. Awesome, man. Hey, enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you next week recapping the SEC championship game, talking college football playoff, and we'll get some basketball in next time as well. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Austin. That is Austin Hannon of Bama Central, who joins us every Wednesday here on the line on ESPN 106.7. We'll take a break, wrap it up on the other side here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, we appreciate Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us on the phone lines for Rivalry Wednesday, as did Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 covering Georgia back in our number one. Lots of great conversations today. We got a few more minutes and we got some news to talk about, Uncle T-Bone, but lay it down for us. That's right. (laughs) Breaking news. Not saying anything. Duke QB Riley Leonard enters the NCAA transfer portal. I think the Tigers are taking a quarterback. Not saying anything, Jacob, but I might keep my eye on that one if I were you sports fans out there. Yeah, there is uh there's a lot of movement going on right now with the transfer portal and guys still intending to enter. That's something that's really important is guys are intending to enter. It hasn't officially opened up yet, so you gotta keep that in mind. Sure. Um but there are quarterbacks flying off the handle left and right. There are receivers and running backs and all but the quarterbacks are the big one. Um they are they are flying off the rip. 
ownership uh, left and right. And, of course, a bunch of Auburn fans have been talking about Auburn going to get a quarterback in the transfer portal. Do they need to get one? If they do, who will they go after? Uh, Grayson McCall's in the transfer or going to be in the transfer portal. Riley Leonard going to be in the transfer portal. Just so many big names are intending to transfer in this new era of college football. Well, I'm not so certain I'm a big fan of the early signing period. Uh, I kind of liked it better when signing day was in February and it just built up to it. Uh, it does kind of keep recruiting going now year year round. You just need is, one, either December or February. Yeah, I don't just, care, yeah, but pick is, one. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And, uh, and at least all that recruiting talk keeps uh, business good for uh, and plenty of content. But I got I got three things I think people need to really keep an eye on in recruiting this this year. A, the portal. Because Auburn's going to continue to recruit that just like everybody else. I think they're going to bring a quarterback in. I think offensive linemen will constantly be coming in in and out of the program in the portal. And uh, key defensive people moving forward, I think you'll see more defensive than offensive in totality throughout the portal season. Uh, Auburn's got to keep recruiting who they got and who's a commitment right now. There is no way – there is no way that Alabama is not going to continue to throw everything they got at Perry Thompson. That is a fertile recruiting ground for Auburn, and they're going to make it very difficult him on him, although he's been pretty stalwart about being uh, being an Auburn recruit. So mm-hmm. um, I'm interested also to see, uh, see some of these uh, big names like Cam Coleman and where they're going to go. Do I think that Auburn's got going to get him? I don't know about that just yet, Jacob, but I think that they're on the right track. That's just my opinion. Well, with Mike Elko being hired at Texas A&M, releasing Damian Craig, the receivers coach, who seemed to be the biggest tie to Cam Coleman uh, there at Texas A&M, you just never know. I've seen a lot of Auburn fans say they want Damian Craig to be hired at Auburn and come back to Auburn, come back to the Plains, and maybe that's something they'll do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know if that's going to be the uh, deciding factor in what's going to get Cam Coleman here. I think that A&M had a – I don't know. I mean, him and Damian Craig, just like long-lost best friends or something, I think A&M threw a pile of money at him. Uh, he made a, a business decision, which I don't blame him. And then Auburn hung in there and kept getting him back over here. And then you start seeing this environment. You see who's coming in or who potentially is coming in and what you can be part of. If he comes into this, into this wide receiver group and they hold on to what they have, it could be possibly one of the greatest wide receiving recruiting commitments as a whole, as a unit, in the history of Auburn football, and maybe one of the best wide receiver groups in the Southeastern Conference history as well. It could be. I mean, it, it could go down as one of the best receiver rooms that Auburn's ever had, and it would be up there competing with the likes of Alabama and Ohio State, who are wide receiver you, it seems like, right now. So lots going on in the recruiting world, lots going on in the transfer portal world. Those are going to be conversations we continue to have as the days, weeks, and months roll on. We're excited about it, man. I know the football is over, but there's so much more to talk about when it comes to Auburn football. Quickly, Uncle T. T-Bone, Auburn basketball taking on Virginia Tech tonight. Who do you got? I think Auburn covers that number. Um, 
It's going to be a physical game. I think that's what Virginia Tech – if Virginia Tech does not play physical, they're going to get beat badly tonight. So uh, they have some good guard play. Good guard play has hurt Auburn over the past. Important to get off to a good start and finish strong. I like the Tigers by about 15 tonight. I'll take Auburn by double digits. I'll also take North Carolina tonight as well. And give me Duke over Arkansas. Those are the big ones in the SEC-ACC Challenge. So excited for that. Excited to recap that on tomorrow show plus brad law will join us from the auburn sports network chris gordy host of the locked on sec podcast that all comes up on thursday uncle t-bone will be back with me on friday here in the auburn plaza bar and lounge studio we continue talking auburn football recruiting transfer portal coaching searches across college football it's all coming up in the next couple of days as we wrap up the week here on the ESPN 106.7 until tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Uncle T-Bone. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.